and welcome to Let's Not Do That, a podcast about microaggressions on college campuses. I am Tracy fernandez Rashavi. I am a lecturer in English, Creative Writing, and Women and Gender Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I am Nate Ireland. I am a student at UWGB Marinette campus, and I am working on my digital arts degree. And we are here with our special guest, Indigo Ramirez. Welcome, Indigo. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Indigo is a queer Black author residing in Green Bay, Wisconsin. They are a soon-to-be graduate, double majoring in the Writing and Applied Arts Bachelor of Fine Arts program and the Creative Writing Emphasis at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Indigo uses speculative fiction as a medium for creating inclusive narratives to lift up other historically marginalized voices. And their writing is gorgeous. I have seen it several times, (laughs) firsthand in classes, and it is wonderful. Um, So again, we're so glad to have you here, Indigo. So we um, usually start the podcast with a segment called Let's Not Do That, just like the show. So Nate, what are you wanting to get rid of in the world right now? All right, get rid of. Um, So just generally a sense of um, like not caring about somebody's uh, feelings when they are out to you, like when they're in the closet in the LGBTQ plus community, um, because that is something that they entrust to you. And if you are going around telling other people, if you're outing them to people that they are uncomfortable with knowing, um, it can really, it can really put a damper on their feelings, their um, daily life, and it can add a lot of stress. And I don't think that that's something that people should be doing. Oh, absolutely not. Especially, I think in high school, there's a lot of bullying, and um, sometimes students will bully someone that they perceive to be LGBTQ. Oh yeah, they're they're. They may be outing them. They may just be making wrongful speculation, but it's still incredibly painful. Uh, someone should be able to come out on their own terms. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, it's just common courtesy. Like it's not, it, if, especially if you know that they're like coming to you with this information and they trust you enough, that's saying something, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, they're, they're, they're trying to, make themselves feel more comfortable in that and and you should help them and you know you could endanger them depending on the community oh yes definitely definitely there's still violence against the lgbtq community and sometimes younger people don't realize when they're starting to commit violence just how traumatic that is Mm -hmm. yeah it just don't don't do that don't do that (laughs) (laughs) indigo anything to add I would also agree it's annoying and also life-threatening sometimes because I've also experienced it like people trying to push me out of the closet before I was ready or had a plan because sometimes there's a very good reason people are in the closet for like if they're financially dependent on their family or if it could like influence their job just don't don't push people before they're ready. Absolutely not. It's not a subject of gossip. You're right. It's something that they've entrusted to you. Yeah, they've been, it's, it's, it's them, you know, it's a part of them. Absolutely. Well, my let's not do that is um, I was reading an article yesterday on CNN's website and it was, it just, I can't even be coherent about this topic. It just makes me so mad. <laughs> but, you know, I see these teenagers who get banned from sporting events or even banned from school based on their hair. And it just makes me so mad. So this is a particular teen. His name is Diary Williams. And he has just short braids in his hair. He's black teen. And, um, the school enacted a code against braids and twists. Wow. And, you know, they're not banning the cheerleaders from doing one no. French braid. You know, the white cheerleaders from doing a French braid. They're, right. They're no. banning. This is targeted at black kids. And it's just, it, it, I don't even know. You know, if you look at the picture, <laughs> we put the article on our website. But if you look at the picture, it looks like a nice kid. His hair is nice. His hair is nice. Yeah. yeah. And honestly it's like i've seen i've seen white kids who look like animal from the muppets you know, i'm just you know that hair is so much a part of personal expression and to, for a high school to ban a child i just there's it's not endangering anyone it is how he likes his hair and his mom yeah. even went so far as to file a religious exemption because she says for their family there is a spiritual element to their brain yeah their absolutely so, yeah just oh I, again, I can't even be coherent. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, what do you do? Like, why are you even discriminating against that? Like, what, what is the point? You know, at that point, it's just to be a jerk. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just basically the school saying, yes, we're racist. Yeah, no, we're for real. School. Like, oh, great. <laughs> right. That's horrible. <laughs> I, oh. But there is an act, a, a bill that has made it through. And I have to give a shout out to Congress. I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah, but, right. No kidding. Yeah. Giving a shout out to our very divided <laughs> Congress. The House of Representatives has passed the Crown Act, which is going, which is banning any types of bias around hair. Good. And, yeah. So, you know, that's going to apply probably to government institutions and public schools. Oh, yeah. But, you know, yeah, yeah, protect yeah. kids like Tyree or Diary. And, um, it's going into the Senate. Senator Cory Booker is sponsoring it. And so senators, get your act together. Be like the House of Representatives. We need the Crown Act. Any other thoughts, Indigo or Nate? I'm glad that they're passing the Crown Act because it's, it was always kind of horrifying growing up and seeing stories of kids who like had their hair like forcibly cut in school without their consent, being sent home because their hair was quote-unquote unruly or messy, and I'm glad that justice is finally being served. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those people should be embarrassed. I think now the media is starting to publicly embarrass them. Like, there was a wrestler a while back <laughs> that they cut his lock um, at, a, at a tournament, and he said yes just to not let his team down. Bless him. Mm-hmm. And it just, I'm like, I hope that person was so ashamed after that. Oh, yeah, this yeah. stupid rule. Yep. Yeah. So, but that, you know, so don't do that. <laughs> um, but anyway, that kind of dovetails really nicely with your topic, Indigo. So what would you like people not to do? Don't ask to touch people's hair. It's weird. It's so weird. Right, right. We're not a petting zoo because our hair looks different from yours. Yeah. I grew up in Houston. Very diverse. You would think people would get used to seeing people of color with curly hair and different hair. But like for as long as I can remember, people have been coming up to me and asking, can I touch your hair? It's like, no, I don't know where your hands have been. And I don't know or like you. So no, you cannot (laughs) touch my hair. (laughs) So these strangers, not just friends. Oh, yeah. Just random people in the grocery store. That's nervy. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think their motive is when they try to do that? <sighs> I wish I knew. <laughs> I, I can fathom no reason besides inappropriate curiosity. Like, sure, wonder what the texture is or whatever, but don't like yeah. walk up to someone and ask to touch their hair. It's weird. I don't do that to people with straight hair. Yeah, no, it's just not a thing you, we yeah. do, right? And I, I don't um, know why, especially women of color, I think it kind of exoticizes where people feel like they can touch them or pet them. Oh my gosh, yes! I also grew up hearing that. Oh my god, you look so exotic. Where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from San Diego. And this leads into <laughs> no, where are you actually from? Like San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> so like you sound like you're from the islands. What islands? There are so many islands. Uh-huh. Which ones am I supposed to be from? England. <laughs> and I mean, thinking about any kind of accent that you have, I'm not hearing island at all. Yeah, you, yeah. I don't know where that one was coming from. I, yeah, yeah, I don't either. It's just, or, or I have a friend who has you know, beautiful long hair that she straightens and people would ask her if her hair was real. Yes. Wow. Okay. Why would you do that? The other favorite question. I got that one a ton when I had really long hair and I thought, you know, I was going to be safe from it when I buzzed my hair. Mm-hmm. But literally like last week's a lady was talking to me because she was like, Oh, I love the way you dyed your hair. And she falls up, up with, is it a wig? And it's, no. Why? why would, also, why would someone want a wig this short? Like, I, I, But <laughs> <You never know. laughs> it's just like, why would you ask that? Right. No, like, why is it your business anyway? Uh-huh. You know? I just, I just assume everyone's hair is their hair. And yeah. They tell me if they want to volunteer that information. <laughs> why would you even go there? Well, that's yeah. the point, I think, too, is the volunteering of information. And that goes into the point from before, too, with like being in the closet. And and like that's something that they kind of they give to you. You know, that's not your 
duty to try to like mine out of them you know like that's something that like when you develop a relationship with them they will tell you you know yeah and you know what i think if, if i have a friend who wears a wig and never tells me that is okay yeah yeah no, like that's their <laughs> business like, yeah good lord i don't care <laughs> you're a nice person you do you <laughs> or you're like you're a stranger you do you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to pet you like you're my cat. No. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, I was talking to, um, I did an interview with Suzanne Shonharjo, who is a, a tribal historian who, who um, has worked against the Washington football team's terrible former slur of a name. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I was interviewing her about that. And she said she actually, she and her husband are actually fans of the Washington football team. But um, they were sitting in the stands one day watching and they just really wish they changed their mascot. So I'm sure she's super happy they have finally. Mm-hmm. But she said that people behind her started petting her hair. Like, oh, look at the R words. You know, look at the. What? Whoa. Oh, oh, my God. So it's just kind of a it, it's an exotic exoticizing somebody it's it's treating them as almost less than human that is horrifying isn't that awful i just i i cannot even i like i actually have no words for that i know (laughs) how can you how can you bring yourself to a point where you're you're sitting behind somebody at a football game and you're going to use a slur to their face like, not even to their face, like, behind their backs. Yeah, I mean, they weren't talking to her. And then she turned around and said, no, I'm Cheyenne and Muskogee. And they just kept talking about her as if she wasn't even there. Wow. Yeah. My mind is blown. Yeah. I, I know, I know. I just sat there in shock, and I, I'm like, I think the only thing that came out of my mouth for a good five minutes was, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right. But, yeah, so just don't, don't, don't touch people's hair, don't ask if it's a wig indigo how do you feel about people complimenting your hair is is that sensitive because of how um black people's hair has been so well it (laughs) it depends on what they say um i hear a lot of comments about my hair on a daily basis ever since i you know got this foot dye dyed it red people like oh that's so cool i like it and that's usually where the conversation ends and that's great i love hearing nice things about myself Keep it coming. But as long as it's within that general genre of your hair looks cool. And then they move on from there. And they don't like use that as a segue into a different conversation about whether or not my hair is real. Right. Right. (laughs) Or they can touch it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Did you, did you, you, you said you buzzed it. Did you chop it off because you wanted to keep people from being so personal about it? Or did you chop it off because you just wanted to try something new? I just wanted to try something new. I had a, Good. like, shaved sides for a while. Still had it, like, long on the top, so that was fun. Yeah. It was just a form of self-expression. I was bored. <laughs> and then I didn't like the long hair on top anymore, so now it's all the same length. I'm going to grow it out again. Okay. Cool, cool. It's like mood hair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I I mean, when you were here on campus, I do remember your hair changing a lot, which is so fun. Um, Yeah, that's great. I'm I'm really glad to hear that you didn't chop it because of people making. Yeah, no, self expression is always like the the best like part of hair. I think like Mm -hmm. that's always the the most fun fun thing to do with it is is to mess around with it as you please so that's good to see that it wasn't affected by that mm-hmm. oh no i just figured people were gonna stop like it was gonna be a side effect because it wouldn't take up like because it grows really long and it attracts a lot of attention so now that there's not so much there it's only been like a year since i've gotten a weird comment like that so i think well that's good that's yeah. a nice side effect sure, absolutely <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you're braving the long hair again you said Yep. It's <laughs> showing already, I guess. Vaya con Dios. So what about friends? I think some friends can be touchy-feely. Would, um, and I'm not saying your friends are very cool people. I've had a lot of them in class. But um, <laughs> I'm just saying friends in general. If you are friends with someone and you want to touch their hair, particularly if it's someone who is black and has this politicization around their hair, should a friend keep hands off too, even if it's kind of, you know, they're kind of touchy-feely in general? Oh, yeah. Unless yeah. they say you can touch my hair, leave it alone. Right. Besides it being a weird thing, it's also like 
depending on the hair texture, having someone's hands in your hair can dry it out, dangle it really easily. Mm-hmm. So that's another good reason to not do that, aside from the whole consent thing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that kind of is there anything else you want to say on that? Otherwise, it kind of leads into the other things that we were talking about earlier. That's pretty much all I have to say on it. Yeah, yeah. Just so, ask. Yep, absolutely. Or maybe just avoid that awkward question altogether. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, ask if you're a friend, but everyone else, just assume you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> You're a stranger. Don't don't touch strangers. Right, right. It's bad, bad. <laughs> um, and so we were also talking indigo about just general in the classroom on campus, like what people can do um, or shouldn't do. And so, um, what else would you like to talk about today? In my few years I've had here on the UWGB campus, I've been in several classes that have focused around like diversity in like my chosen field. Obviously these classes are going to very heavily feature works by or people of color. We're going to talk about that constantly. We all know the very sad history of marginalized communities who live here in the United States. Not a fun story. And I feel like all of us, by the time we reach 20 know what the concept of racism is and we know that it's bad with that context it's really frustrating to go into class and then people talk about like if i'd been back when slavery was i would have said no like oh do you want an award <laughs> i should hope so do you have nothing else to add to this conversation like it's frustrating Because they take these conversations and make it entirely about themselves and their feelings and no like practical applications of what they're going to do moving forward outside of the classroom. And it's like they're trying to take a piece of history and like try to make themselves the hero of it and not do anything about the now, you know? Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And and centering themselves instead of talking about the issues or talking about the literature or whatever. You know, it's just like, here's what I would have done. I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. Another thing, too, is um, people just kind of missing the concept of uplifting diversity in the classroom. Like, we had some presentations in the class this semester, and part of the section was talk about authors in the field who are people of color, what they've done historically, what they're doing now, stuff like that. So one, like the first genre came through and they had like a dozen pictures of like book covers up there. None of them featured a person of color or were written by one. And so after, after their presentation was done, I asked them like, did did you find no one else to include that was a person of color? And they said, well, I think there's a Russian person in there. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of distasteful. Not going to lie. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't really know what to say after that. (laughs) What do you say after that? No. Yeah, exactly. Like that. They're like almost making a joke out of it. It sounded like. No, she was completely serious. Are you serious? (laughs) I'm not joking. But when you are calling out a student for something like that, it's often, you know, this is something that happens in private. It happens on the feedback for that assignment. So I'm thinking your professor probably addressed it, but it's unfortunate that you don't get to see it. Yeah. I did speak to the professor afterwards Hmm. about it. And she said she was going to say something. And this phenomenon, while not as specific, did happen in a couple other of the genre presentations. One of them did a complete 180 and apologized for completely like dropping the ball in the diversity aspect of the presentation, which was great. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. Right, right. Yeah. But everyone else was super apologetic, but like didn't... 
like really do anything to rectify the situation at all. Yeah. Which is so easily rectifiable. There are yeah. many, many authors of color out there you can draw from with a simple Google search. And if you haven't read them yourself, it seems like that kind of presentation, you can certainly bring someone in, just put in a little bit of work. Come to see your librarians or your, your literature professors. We will help you. Oh, yeah. yeah right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's such an easy problem to solve. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that that's too bad. I think... Um, you know, I used to be a magazine editor-in-chief, and that was something that was just a constant push with different writers I worked with, not necessarily with the organizations I work with, but definitely, you know, some writers or some artists, you know, you, you'd have to say, remember that everybody is not white and among <laughs> in the world who's our potential readership, so right. maybe we could make this more diverse, and it was just kind of a, a constant push. You have to make the effort to be mindful about it. It is very easy for a lot of people you work with to default to um, all white contributors because yeah. that's been the standard for yeah. so long. And yeah, you just when especially, you know, in your major Indigo as a future professional writer, um, anyone in the arts, you just have to really be mindful and be present and think about that kind of thing as you're as you're developing content or presenting content. Oh yeah, absolutely. I try to be extremely mindful. Mm-hmm. Just not only because of the way I grew up and saw like no representation for myself in most media I consumed, I also want to do a good job representing other people when I do include people who are different from me in my writing. Yeah. So that's that's really interesting that you say that. I mean, um, probably I grew up with a, with a wider world than you did, but still, you know, we we are just getting to the point where con- certain, especially certain types of content are becoming more diverse. How did it feel growing up to just see people who didn't look like you? Like, what does that feel like as a child? Bad. <laughs> it was, it was annoying because I've always really loved sci-fi and fantasy mm. and everything I consumed growing up. It was like, YA novels all had white girls with long hair and swords on the cover. Never anyone who looked like me. None of them were like ever gay or anything as far as I knew. So that was also very alienating. And I never really saw any representation in like sci-fi either. Like I was a really big fan of Star Wars when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And aside from Mace Windu, I do not remember seeing anyone who looked remotely like me. Well, Lando. There's Lando. 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 <laughs> I forgot about Lando. Yeah. But still. But still. You know, there's... A, there's. Where was everyone else? <laughs> right. It, 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 yeah, it is painful. I had Maria from Sesame Street. <laughs> That's about it. Um, and, you know, I, it's actually... I grew up in a time when it was just amazing to see a woman at all yeah right you know, like princess leia was amazing because yeah. wow there's a woman and she's shooting things and she's right. you know, making yeah. decisions and not just sitting here telling the boys to save her yeah she was also the closest thing i felt that i had to representation yeah yeah for for sure for a long time but now now things are better yeah yeah absolutely. still needing improvement and obviously i think that's something that as college instructors we need to remind our students to be mindful of um, curating content that's diverse, that mm-hmm. represents different people and that represents them um, well. So, I mean, sometimes the representation is just bad. Sometimes it's just a stereotype. And then they're like, yeah, I brought in diversity. I'm like, yeah, but the Latina is a maid. Um, right, or, right. You know, the housekeeper who just lives to clean up after her white family, you know. But yeah. did, you find, did you find that indigo? Oh, yeah, that was also very bad to see growing up because I'm also Hispanic Mm -hmm. and it was just like I got the worst of both worlds when it came to um, inclusion in media Mm -hmm. like especially like television and film and stuff it was just lacking and portrayed people in like a very one dimensional aspect. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They weren't like and, um they weren't actual developed characters. They were just kind of there to be like almost a showpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. 
And it was frustrating, too, because when you see that as a young kid, the message that I, I feel now that's being pushed is this is all you can be. This is what your place in society is. It's here and you don't go anywhere from that. And you're going to be grateful for the little bit that you have. And that's like really dangerous. That's really harmful because like, especially with media, kids are very impressionable. Like as a kid, every single time I would walk outside of a movie theater, I would be pretending to be like the main character, you know? <laughs> so if, if the character that you identify with and like you are portrayed by is like offensively portrayed or, you know, like just a stereotype, then that's really damaging. Like that feels kind of, it just, you know, it, it can hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like that Marvel is stepping up its game. I don't like Marvel as like a corporation. <laughs> right. I will always like superheroes. I cannot change that about myself. <laughs> it's, it's nice seeing, you know, a diverse cast finally because these characters have always, always been there. Yeah. In the comics, but they never got a spot on screen. Mm-hmm. And now they are. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when I went to see Black Panther, I lost my mind. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah. And, like, the Falcon and just everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like, it felt like the world was being included in Marvel finally. Yeah, yeah. One small aspect of it. Even if they did just do it because they felt like they had to. Like, it's it's still (laughs) important, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, absolutely. I mean, just I, when I grew up, it was Wonder Woman. And it's so funny to go back and watch the old Wonder Woman show now with Linda Carter, because she's in her skimpy costume. And she plays it so well. The scripts are terrible. Yeah, but she yeah, plays it yeah. so well. And you have these men coming up and like, Oh, can you cook me dinner too? Literally saying stuff like that. And she, really? just gives this, she just gives them this side eye like, Oh, little man, you are so beneath me. And just Linda Carter just <laughs> fling those moments. <laughs> but, but that was it. You know, I thought that was what I had. And right. otherwise the rest of what I had was just women acting like bimbos basically. Yeah. You know, and, and using, um, you know, using their, their beauty to get what they needed, which, you know, it can be weaponized like that, but that shouldn't be all that, that yeah, has. Yeah. Certainly weren't any women of color, no Latinas, just Maria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this and is re- making me, oh, uh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this is making me think about the long history of Bond girls. Oh, God. oh my gosh. Bond girls. <laughs> oh my God. I still have not watched the new ones with Daniel Craig. Cause I am, I just have decades of being angry at those films. Oh. Are you just jaded now? So jaded. So (laughs) jaded. Oh, my God. I, like, there's no way that a a person like that exists in real life. That, (laughs) like, it's just, I actually can't help but laugh when I watch those movies. Because it's, it's just, it's so actually completely ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's not even well done. It's not well done in the sense of like, oh, you get the sense that he's like this seductive, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, uh, really attractive guy. Like, it's just plopped in there. <laughs> it's just yeah, so it's bad. It's just like this raging misogynist in a suit with a gun. Honestly, <laughs> honestly. No, it's so bad, dude. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, the sad thing is, though, that when they were coming out, and I, I they they predate me. I'm not that old. But, um, you know, when they were coming out in the 70s and the 80s, I mean, those were the rules for, for women, though, largely. We had Lindsay Wagner and the Bionic Woman. We had Linda Carter and Princess Leia. And that was about it. The rest in like Charlie's Angels, they're taking orders from a disembodied oh dude on God. the phone. Yeah, yeah. And they're always in something skimpy. And they literally, I am not kidding. I've been a feminist since I was in third grade. This rant has been a long time. Ago. <laughs> but uh, actually, I've done versions of it many, many times. But um they actually called it Jiggle TV because certain things bounced. No That makes way. so much yeah. sense, though. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. And and so I'm growing Does up. Does Baywatch fall into this category? Probably. <laughs> Probably, but the Ben also had their shirts on. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Oh, okay. A little bit equal opportunity, okay, I guess. Okay, okay. 
But, you know, Pam Anderson, just people are just talking about how she got a raw deal. But then, you know, she always did kind of the breathless little, hi, you know, all the time. So she definitely played into it. I'm not feeling that sorry for her. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch the miniseries. So she went through some kind of trauma that I don't know. Please don't add me. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> but... And, you know, this is just this is just white women for the most part. Yeah, so, you yeah. Know, bringing in black women, Latino women, Asian women. That's that's relatively new, but it is really lovely to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I really love is Michelle Yeoh. I cannot wait to see everything everywhere all at once. That woman is just ex- can I say badass on a UWG podcast? Yeah, who cares? Okay. All right. <laughs> fire me. So, uh, yeah, she's just badass. She's she's in her 50s, I think. And she's telling stories while she's out promoting this film about, yeah, I was in a film with Jackie Chan and he was saying I couldn't do stuff with him. And then I kicked his tail and he yeah. stopped talking about that. <laughs> she is glorious. And to get her in an action film at her age, I'm like, middle. I've just seen too many middle-aged women and particularly middle-aged women of color are usually in service positions. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's lovely to see as well. I still need to see it. Everyone's been telling me to. Oh my I gosh. I haven't yeah. gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I, I've been, I can go after finals. So that's, that's a goal after finals. Yeah, me too. Grades <laughs> <laughs> are turned in. I'm going to see her. <laughs> <laughs> Representation is so tricky, but important. Mm-hmm. Huh. And we're getting a better LGBTQ representation too. In fact, I think Hollywood has had a lot to do with the fact that your generation, your Gen Z, is just so much more accepting. Mm hmm. I'm hoping it'll get much, much better within like the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. No, like, honestly, it's I've had people tell me like just that they feel lucky that they have the representation that they do now. Mm -hmm. And um, no, as far as you as you mentioned, like, like being accepting, like it's when it's actually portrayed healthy, uh, it's it doesn't give the air of like, Oh, this is a bad thing. You know, it's like, it, it's, it gives the positive message like, Oh yeah, no, these people need to be supported. They are, they're valid, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's just cool to see that we have actual representation now that, Mm -hmm. that we can actually look at and be like, you know, this is, this is proactive, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have, people have models on TV that aren't heterosexist jerks. And so they know that, okay, if I'm going to act like a heterosexist jerk, that's kind of bad. Society's telling me that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Get from the media. And it's, it's like, usually those people are like in the sense of like fiction shows and stuff like that. Those people, if they pop up, they are made fun of and they're like little side characters and they, Mm -hmm. you know, they get shot down and stuff like that too. So yeah. Either that or they have a redemption arc, which I'm also really a fan of. So. <laughs> so it's just funny. You know, there's this whole thing. And we were talking about Bridgerton last week in the yeah, yeah. And there's this whole thing about Benedict, the the second Bridgerton brother, whose story comes next in the books, but nobody's sure if season three is going to be him. But he kind of in season one had a little bit of a possible gay arc. Mm-hmm. And then they mm-hmm. pulled him back into being straight. And so Dang. there's all this conversation i'm like there are eight rigid and siblings one of them has to be <laughs> right <laughs> so hold curious. the old queer baiting trick yeah yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. too yeah <laughs> so so i'm kind of curious if they'll if they'll go there or not the books I, everyone's straight because that's how romance landia was yeah yeah today but <laughs> yeah so it'll be interesting to see heck yeah uh, but we've been kind of all over the place. And you go, anything else that you want to tell? Um, in particular, people on college campuses, professors or other students, is there anything else that you just want to make sure that they know before we sign off? One thing I would like to say to professors in particular is please find a kind way to redirect conversations while in class mm-hmm. so that everyone knows this is not something you say out loud. Mm. And that's that's where I'm going to leave it. All right. Actually, all right. I think that could be a whole episode. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly. Yeah. We might have to have you on again. <laughs> okay, I'll come back cuz that's all right, a whole, all right. that's a whole other thing I could talk about for a while. Yeah. So, so I actually, I want to dive into it a little bit. I don't want to leave. Oh yeah. Awesome. Maybe sure, take another sure. 10 minutes. All right. Yeah, okay. Do another round on the treadmill. We're going to go. <laughs> so what, what have you seen happen in the classroom? Like what, um, what do they do? 
I'm going to pull another example from a class. We were talking about um, the book, which talks about tokenism in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Y'all know the phrase, like, what a pick me is, right? I'm sorry, Uh, I'm old. I don't. Like a a pick me girl? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So people who are trying to be like the cool black friend in order to like fit into the workplace. These are different strategies, Mm -hmm. both viable for whatever your end goals are. Yeah. Survival. Yes. In this story, it was actually like weaponized in a really creepy way. It was a really good book. So the topic of code switching came up in that class. Mm -hmm. And one of my classmates had apparently never heard of code switching before, which was fine. But then when we were talking about like what we liked and didn't like about the book, she got on the mic and was like, code switching is so scary. That's so terrifying. I can't imagine what that's like. Like what? Oh dear. What, what, what did you think code switching was? What did you gather from the entire story that made you think it was a scary thing? Right. And <laughs> the professor didn't really say anything. I think she was also kind of baffled by this mm-hmm. comment, so she just kind of pushed the conversation along. Mm-hmm. But a more like extreme example was we were talking about Toni Morrison mm-hmm. and how like she broke into the publishing industry and became an editor and everything. And this same person said, well, her achievements were really great, but I'm sure tokenism did play a part in her getting into that role in the publishing house. And I. Wow. I, I, oh, I, I just had, I just have my head in my hands right now. I'm wow. Not, I don't. Thinking about it now makes my brain hurt. It's hard to form an intelligent thought after saying that out loud. Oh, like for real. Oh, that's, you know, and, and I'm sure Indigo, because I've had that directed at me. You know, I, I did AmeriCorps when I was young and a good friend of my parents actually said, because their daughter didn't get in. And I know why she didn't get in. I heard about her interview and there are certain things you can and can't do in that interview. It's a long whole day interview process. And so I'm, I, I think, you know, they were, she made a couple errors, but I have no doubt she would have been a wonderful teacher. And they just were very rigid about certain things. And then they said, well, Tracy probably got in because she's Latina. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I had a really good interview. Ooh, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I have good grades. And, um, you yeah. know, I'm not going to say I'm better than your daughter, but I, I, I absolutely <laughs> But I'm better never, than your daughter. No, no, no. I would never <laughs> say that. But, but I, on my own, did a decent job. And I, I think I could have been white and I still would. Well, I'm half, but I think I could have come in and said, I'm not a person of color. I still would have gotten it. Right. Yeah. I just it just discounts your hard work and ugh. No, that's but, the thing too is cuz it's yeah. just another thing that they they can use to discount you. Yeah. But but that's it just to go back to the original topic so we don't go on another episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's every person of color has heard that. Yeah. And heard that about an accomplishment they've made and yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly painful. So to professors and teachers out there, it is so hard in the moment. You can be so shocked and you can just, it just stymies you into shock. And then you, you know, I, I, I understand that phrasing like that, but with vulnerable populations in particular who get this kind of microaggression again and again, we have to be ready and you have to be able to say, and you can say it gently. You can say, actually, that's, that's not okay. You know, that, that is something that I've had happen to me. You know, and in my case, I can say that, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I know students have had that happen to them. It is incredibly hurtful. So, um, I want to make sure that we're, we're not saying this kind of thing that has hurt other people for sure. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. explain why that's bad. It's a learning moment. You don't have to shame the student, but you know, by no means you need to call it out very, very gently. If you need, if you want to, yes. you need to, you need to in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. because like, I hate to say this, but like the people who are like the quote unquote, like woke allies mm-hmm. are often more harmful because like racist people yeah sure they're racist they wear it on their sleeve Uh no one's gonna pay too much attention to that but someone who's supposed to be on our side saying she was probably a token hire yeah yeah that makes it look so much worse 
Yeah. And it's I, I would argue that it's so much more harmful because yeah. then it, it, it makes actual racist people think that they have the space to say that kind of thing. Exactly. It's so, they, it's, so yeah. it's so true. It's so true. Um, and, and then when your professor or your teacher doesn't say something, then you think that, oh, there's something wrong with what I said. And you say it again and you keep saying it. And so, you know, I was saying before that students and when they go out into the workforce have to be ready to curate contact and content and be mindful of appealing to different populations and representing different populations. Teachers have to be ready for that kind of thing. We have to be ready and we have to jump on it. And that comes with thinking about it. And that comes with anticipating it. You've got to be ready. Um, yeah. And when it happens, gently correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and publicly, I think you're right, Indigo. I think it's important for that kind of thing to say to the whole class that this is something we shouldn't say. Yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry. The professor said something afterward, but I personally didn't feel like it encompassed the entirety of what that person had said like right. in an appropriate manner yeah. because I I understand she doesn't want to embarrass anyone or cause mm-hmm. like an angry discussion to break out but mm-hmm. that's just something you can't tiptoe on eggshells around. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it should be nipped in the bud, like, instantly. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I've had a lot of those moments in my class, and I think being a woman of color, I do anticipate them, because we anticipate them <laughs> in normal life, but, um, and I'm not saying, oh, I'm the best at this, because I'm clearly I'm clearly not. I, there are plenty of people who've handled it more, more eloquently than I ever could, but um, I think if you're if you can just be ready for it, it's so important to be ready for it and to address it because it's, um, I've never had one of them happen where it devolved into shouting or anything like that. I think Mm -hmm. the worst, the worst has been like an asynchronous online class where someone will say something and I'll gently say, maybe not. And (laughs) they'll keep coming back at me and doubling down. And then I, then I just say, let's have a talk in person. It always goes better or on zoom and that, that people don't say what they'll say on email. But in in person, I've never had anything devolve into something horrible. It's just if you if you do it um, gently but firmly and make it clear that you're not standing for that, then the the students of color or the other you know LGBTQ students feel protected, and your other student may feel like they've learned something. And you know if you can do it right, hopefully you don't humiliate them. But mm-hmm. you can just say, you know, w- one thing that I have in my syllabi is something I got from um, the Southern Poverty Law Center's um, Learning for Justice, which used to be called Teaching Tolerance. And it's a note in my syllabi that says that I used to have a policy for zero tolerance around racism but and, and sexism and homophobia. But uh, we're all learning. So I just want you to know that if something happens in the classroom, if someone makes a comment, I will gently correct it. I will address it on the spot mm-hmm. but with compassion for both the, the students who are affected and the student who said the comment, because we're all learning. And you just have that mm-hmm. message of, I understand we're all learning. And in that spirit, I'm going to correct you right. with love and understanding. Um, and you're young or you're a student and you're here to learn. So let me tell you something. And if you just do it in that spirit and not... Like, holy buckets, you suck. You're so racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and, and then I think it's received pretty well. I've never had anything terrible happen after that. And usually I've had good things happen, like students coming up and saying thank you. or Yeah, like yeah. That. No, I, I think it's super, um, super important not to come across like hos- with hostility mm-hmm. because that can be taken so terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It can make them shut down, like, you know, and it can make them have a sour taste in their mouth, which is terrible because they're the one who perpetrated the issue first. But when when you try to correct them in a way that isn't welcoming, they they will most often than not have some sort of adverse reaction to your stance. And, yeah. and that can block them out from that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and double down on whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Saying. Honestly. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Right. Um, Indigo, I, when I get upset about something, I'm kind of turned into a well of words. So I just want to make sure there's <laughs> anything else you want to say, since I just went on and on because I got all the fun out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty much um, all I had to say on that. 
Okay. Well, thank you for bringing it up and thank you for letting me detour again. You're just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's really been great to hear about your experience. But now I want to invite you to participate in our last segment, which is here's one good thing. So, um, Nate, do you have a good thing? I do. Okay. Um, I don't know how involved in the YouTube space, um, anybody is here, but, uh, I am very much into YouTubers. And, uh, recently I've been watching one. Their name is Kaz Rowe. And they analyze certain aspects of history um, from a representation perspective. Um, so like they, they have a lens of the equity and equality and diversity um, that they'll, they'll take different parts of history that people are interested in and they'll kind of dissect it. Um, so, for instance, one of their videos is um, the, uh, the queer history of cowboys. And so they'll, they'll, they'll talk about, um, like the, the ins and outs of, of, of this, um, this community and they'll, they'll kind of implement, they'll implement an analysis of, of that, that community or that aspect of history. And they'll, they'll tell you the, um, the ins and outs of how like they were either represented, um, in media or how they actually were. Um, and they'll, tell you about how they were part of like the LGBTQ plus community or um, for instance, they were talking about how most cowboys were actually people of color. Um, and they have all sorts of videos like this. And I just think it's awesome that there's, there are like kind of internet historians like that, that, that will go into that, that sort of um, detail because I don't think a lot of, a lot of people focus on that. You said their name was Kazro. How do you spell that? Um, K-A-Z-R-O-W-E. So was that a response to Sam Elliott, who made comments after The Power of the Dog was up for the Oscar about there are no gay cowboys, and he called it a piece of ass and all that? Are you serious? No, I didn't hear about that. Oh, what? Yeah. So I I don't watch all the Oscar films, but I love the Oscars. I think it just goes back to my childhood fascination with pretty dresses. (laughs) Right. Um, The Power of the Dog, the Benedict Cumberbatch film directed by Jane Campion, who directed The Piano and um, was up for Best Picture and Best uh, Director. it's, you know, it's, it's got, uh, characters, you know, they're, they're cowboy characters. And one of them is, uh, from what I gather, I haven't seen this film. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the Oscars. I haven't seen the film, but, um, you know, there's some gay subtext or gay a character who's kind of coping with those feelings and not coping well and kind of mean about it. Right. Right. Um, my, if my brother Troy is listening to this, he's shaking his head. He's seen, he always watches <laughs> all the Oscar films and he could have gone over that plot really well. But anyway. <laughs> Sam Elliott got really mad and was just, he called it a piece of us and said there weren't any gay cowboys. Basically that was the gist of what he said. And so Jane Campion, um, go up and go and look up what she said back because it was glorious. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So I thought maybe they did that in response. Maybe, you know, it's entirely possible because I like, there was a lot of really cool like stories and, and um, people that they brought up specifically um, where like it going out West was kind of like, an escape from the day to day of, of like colonial America. So it was kind of like a new start for a lot of, a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus space. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's kind of what they went over in that video specifically. But they have so many other videos that are just, they're awesome. Huh? Yeah. Cool. I have to check that out. Thank you. Well, I'll go next. Cause I think we should end on Indigo. I think that'd be a little thing <laughs> to end on. So mine um, is just kind of nerdy, but when I lived in Washington, DC, I loved the Folger Shakespeare library. Okay. Um, you know, just this beautiful library with a, a lot of different texts regarding Shakespeare. And then also, of course, um, they have a, a first folio there and um, a theater that puts on wonderful productions. If you're ever in DC and want good theater, go to the, see whatever is at the Folger. But um, they have resources for teachers and I'm, I'm a donor. I donate a little bit here and there when I can. And, um, you get access to their teacher materials. And I, I'm not a Shakespeare scholar, unfortunately. I love Shakespeare. <laughs> but, so I just kind of fold it into intro to literature when I can. But, um, 
they're doing this new thing called Black Shakespeare. It's an online course with um, Reconstruction.us, um, kind of an online course company. And it's for 14 to 18 year olds, but I'm sure, you know, college students might enjoy it as well. But it's talking about how they're just launching it now. So I don't even know if it's available just yet, but they're, they're um, connecting the black community with Shakespeare and just talking about, you know, race at the time of, um, when Shakespeare was writing, of course, I think people think that everybody was enslaved at that time. And there was like black nobility in London and black and entrepreneurs. And um, so I'm sure that's going to be part of it. Also, you know, black actors who've been pivotal in Shakespeare performance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think good literature is for everybody. And I thought that was just a really cool thing. So if you are interested in learning more about that. I think our Shakespeare studies, um, not, not, not here at this, the college. I'm not dissing anybody in particular, but I, I know, you know, like when I was in college, it's like Shakespeare is very, very focused on Shakespeare as a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. 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 Um, I love that places like the Folger are bringing race into it. There are scholars who are bringing these topics up instead of diving into them. I just think it's so cool and look forward to seeing what they come up with. Yeah, that's awesome. My 14 to 18-year-olds are going to take it whether they like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Indigo, what's your one good thing? I would like to talk about a book that I found this year awesome. called An Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon. All right. Ooh. Okay, so aboard the Matilda, a generation starship that's been sailing for 300 years, society regressed to something reminiscent of the antebellum South. Aster, a brilliant young medic, is looking for connections between mysterious blackouts on the ship, the sovereign's death, and her mother's life work. It's a super interesting book. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's I love it so much. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. I'm definitely gonna have to put that on my summer reading list. Very cool. What did you love about it? I love that it checks like every box of representation that I look for, like in media. The main character, she's black, she's super smart. She's neurodivergent, and I I really appreciate the super like unique worldview she takes mm-hmm. as she tries to pieces together like the mystery of her mother's work while navigating like just real life situations that Black people go through today. It's just mm-hmm. set on a spaceship, but it's not like a long like sob story. It's a liberation era, yeah, which I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds glorious. I will definitely That's read that. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. And what was it called? An Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon. All right. All right. Yes, we will. We will put that on our website. <laughs> cool. For everybody else to, to grab that link. All right. Well, thank you so much, Indigo, for joining us and for letting us bounce from topic to topic. <laughs> I had fun. Yeah, this is awesome. Was very fun. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.